0: you bunch of yahoos, strap yourselves in for another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity.
1: In other words, shut up, sit up, and pay attention. Here we are at another episode of Toxic Masculinity yeah. with none other than my cohort here, Don the Predator Fry. <laughs> hey,
0: baby. How are you today, Mr. Severn? Well, I'll tell you what. Mr. Uh, Beast.
1: You know, I'm doing fantastic. I'm still above ground, so uh, we're doing good. You yeah.
0: Know. I think I got a beast infection here.
2: <laughs> we're lucky we got
0: we got the great Rob Schneider, good friend of mine.
2: God bless you.
0: <laughs> good
2: to see you, Don. And
0: we got another good friend, Rich Marino. Rich, Rich, my one of my sparring partners from uh, the day one, yeah, before day one, we. Knew each other doing uh, judo. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: say, oh, so, Don, so, so what you're I right. say, you actually have a sparring partner that you're not married to. Is that what, you, is that what you're going to say? It's not because
3: he didn't propose. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I did.
2: Well, that's a pretty <laughs> good nose you still got for being a sparring partner with, with the great Don Fry. Yeah, that's what
0: you get from running.
2: All right, well, that'll you work.
0: Run. Yeah, you know, he covered up real good.
2: There you go. <laughs> Fetal
4: position.
0: <laughs> so was it mostly
2: wrestling sparring? Or was no, it? Uh, we, we did everything. We
4: everything. Did judo, boxing, kickboxing.
1: In the microphone, it, it, it all went from that that mixed martial arts uh, genre to what is now uh, excuse me from no holds bar to the mixed martial arts genre. So
2: yeah, I mean, you, well, you were in early, maybe too early.
1: Yeah, we were. Yeah,
2: yeah, that was a uh, quite. I mean, the Tokyo Dome. Well, what are some of the memories that like the ones that stick out to you? That first time was that must have been intimidating.
0: No, no, the first time was easy is down there in Puerto Rico. <laughs> okay.
2: So it kind of built up from there to the Tokyo Dome?
0: Yeah, yeah. But I had fought, you know, had Dan got me a few fights before that. Okay. And, you know, I, I'd seen him uh, on TV in number four and number five. Yeah. And I was my first wife, first ex-wife. <laughs> yeah. I, Mary was going taking a shit. Uh-huh. And uh, so I started doing judo just to, you know, get rid of some frustrations. <laughs> <laughs> and so,
2: and so you were in the you were in the fight biz too, obviously, right? Well,
1: just just a little bit before Don was, yeah. From from UFC number four was my very first one. So single digits to where I mean, when you look at how many they've gone over the number of decades now, it's uh, it's, it's incredible from what it went from the the no holds barred era of only having two rules, no weight classes, to now mixed martial arts and. It's known throughout the world. So, how were the deals back then? Like when you
2: when when somebody would approach <laughs> bad, you, I mean, they were bad. <laughs> but when you get like this, I mean, how did, did you have to go well, up? To well, somebody Rob,
1: to- I mean, th- these are contracts that you really might be interested in. It's like, Dad, you're guaranteed one thousand uh-huh. dollars, one thousand dollars. And let's see, the only two things you can't do to another human being is bite them or stick a finger in their eye socket, no eye gouge you. But even then, it wasn't grounds for disqualification. It's <laughs> <laughs> warning. It's just that like going, hey. Get that finger out of his eye. You know, that's that's all. Spit that ear out right (laughs) now.
4: Spit his ear back on. And four buffet tickets to use at your own discretion.
2: (laughs) And so these were obviously like the most um, legitimate uh, um, promoters originally.
1: Well, I mean, it's still there has been four different ownerships of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. That'd be the the, uh, originator. Art Davy, yeah, I mean, he's still alive today, and he's uh, he's uh he was the originator of it, and he had a partnership with the uh, Horian Gracie. So, the two of them together formed the uh, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Yeah, but I mean, okay. business wise, it was all Art Davy's idea.
2: Yeah, and
1: so it was, I mean, I
2: remember, like, the cool thing about it was, like, how illegal it was. There were cities that banned it.
3: Oh yeah, like, it New was, York City was uh, like,
2: absolutely not. Yeah, we're was. getting heckled by a dog over here.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> what the hell is this shit? <laughs> that's, that's uh, you know, that's, entourage. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah.
4: We were just talking about that uh, that evening that they canceled the fight in New York. We were, I remember we were in that. New York, and uh, I was telling Dan, that's, like, that's when I first realized that the money wasn't about... The, the gate, you know, the, the ticket sales at the gate. When they contracted a 747 and opened the Buffalo airport in the middle of the night to fly everybody, the crew, the fighters, teams, everybody to Dothan, Alabama. I'm like, this is big money. <laughs> yeah,
1: and even down in downtown Dothan, Alabama, I don't they don't think they charge a the second person. They simply just open up the doors like free admittance. Come on in and watch mid knock the crap out of each other, you
2: know? Yeah, well, that, that's I remember like some of the first places where it was legal was where?
1: Well, in Alabama, well, <laughs> yeah. Alabama, obviously. Well, I say no. The, the original uh, all took place up in uh, Denver, Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: And then it got clo- slowly closed down, and it was the It is like, all right, after the fight you know, you get two options. You either go to the hospital or you go to the after party. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then at the end it was also, or you go to jail. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, there, oh, there were, right. there,
1: there were some times when uh, it was being threatened that, uh, you may client walk out of that cage and you may be handcuffed because, it, you know, they're trying to shut down, um, uh, more and more on the whole industry. I mean, it would, it would again going from that the host bar to the big martial arts. Um, what was it? Jeff Blatnick uh, was it the gentleman's name that, uh, throughout. I, I don't think it came about till around that two thousand four, five, or six. That it actually became known as mixed martial arts. Okay, they were trying to bring forth all the the uh, martial arts attributes that you actually have to have a, a background in. It could be boxing, kickboxing, karate, Muay Thai, karate, kung fu. And you also needed um, some type of an arsenal in the grappling arts. So, judo, jiu-jitsu. Uh, well, I remember that, that was the
2: potential, like, because uh, it was impossible to beat the guys who were, uh, uh, you know, in jiu-jitsu. I mean, especially the Brazilians who had the, the, the wonderful quality of the, the physical ability and and also to be experts in jiu-jitsu. And it just, it almost threatened that they were so successful that if they didn't get knocked out, for sure they were going to win because they just had to get into position. So, everybody had to learn. Uh, a, a, a certain level of grappling jiu jujitsu, so and that's when the wrestling guys kind of came in, who were able to defend themselves enough to knock the shit out of the
1: guys, <laughs> right? Well, that's probably probably a most uh, on point analogy. I, yeah, I Dan actually, came in, I, and ruined the game. Really <laughs> I, I literally, I, I was, I, I was the first world class wrestler to step inside the octagon. That's cage right, yeah. And, and then it's kind of disrupted the uh, things to where, yeah. It did because change. no one could beat the, the, the Brazilian, the Gra-
2: Grazi was like, you know, that was, that was it. You know, it was, uh, he was like, okay, he's, he's not gonna, if you can't knock him out quick and he can get on his feet and still beat you I and mean, he's on his back beating you with his feet and just uh, pretty soon. And so I, I think that did threaten the business to whereas you know, cause Americans need to have an American champion. They need to have a guy, they need to have a, a chance. It can't just be, you know, from some guy from, and now from Santiago, Brazil. We have Santiago, you know, it's got to be somebody who's, uh, and, and so that that's what changed. Somebody Isn't
4: with it? a big mustache. Yeah, somebody who white can. White guy, white privilege, Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's not get into that right now.
2: <laughs> I, I, I,
1: no, they I'll needed an American
2: start. champion for sure.
3: To make I, it interesting, no, right? No,
1: I, I think I think that as a, as a sport that uh, you know was developed in the United States, yeah, they're looking for someone from the United States there to rep- represent it as well.
2: But also, I mean, what I think you need, like in any in any form of, uh, you know, we have a boxing or mixed martial arts, as they now call it, or ultimate fighting. You have to have several people at the best time of their career who can challenge each other. I mean, if you know, boxing had its heyday. You know, in the in the late 70s because you had Hagler, Sugar Ray, yeah. you know, and Hearns. Hearns yeah. And then and then the Duran probably at the end of his uh, peak, but he was still there. So yeah. you had some guys, you had some bitching fights, even at the end. I mean, probably the best fight was at the end of their careers with Sugar Ray and and uh, Hearns and that supposed draw that they had. But they would beat the shit out of each other. It was nothing like that. You know, so okay. that was the kind of thing. So, so the turnaround for this thing to go global—did you see it
1: going global? Well, if it could survive the politicians, yeah. that—that's really what. what both no, down we to really do. thought we were going go to go jail. <laughs> yeah. there, there. I mean, there were times when, uh, yeah, when I first saw saw this product, it was on a, an old VHS tape. That's what a buddy watched the first two. Yeah, uh, he he uh, copied it and, and he basically showed it to me. And what I was more intrigued with was the fact that. I had a couple other buddies that happened to stop by, and I threw it on. And I was watching my buddies more than I was watching the product. I'm thinking, look at these guys; they're on the edge of the of the couch. They're yeah. actually, they're beating on the coffee table. They're they're just getting. Their, I, I just can't believe how wrapped they wrapped up. They right. got into this. I'm thinking, there's something here. But oh, then, yeah. But then I think when you look at sports, I mean, football is big because it's it's big <clears throat> it's big men that's colliding into each other. So yeah, anytime that you could kind of put something you know, uh, call it legalized violence. Yeah. Yeah. There's an attraction towards it. Boxing is a great attraction because you're posing your will upon an opponent in a very bludgeoning type of way. And you know,
2: there's a winner and there's a loser, and you don't have to wait to find out. So much in life is gray area. (laughs) But when two guys get in the ring to beat the shit out of each other, it can be an an impressive fight. Yeah. And sometimes, like, and truthfully in boxing, you know, you haven't really had, I think a a lot of the the great American boxers... um, we lost those great African American boxers. We lost to other sports, to football. If you had a chance to play football or basketball, or getting the crap beat out of you, you're gonna, you know, and having with fists, you're gonna play basketball. You're gonna, you're gonna it's go. Easy in,
0: way yeah. Huh?
2: Yeah, well, I man, if you're gonna, I mean, just just thinking about like uh, on the the beating of the of the body. So and so, if you had a chance to play basketball, you'd do it. That's why I, it's a shame for me as a, as a fan of baseball is that we lost those great American ball players. Uh, baseball players that, that we just, we don't have. You have the guys, from they've got the, you know, if you go to, uh, you know, the Dominican Republic, they've got like uh, these, you know, they just, it's like a farm system there, literally. Yes. You get 12, 13, by the time they're 16, they're signed by the Yankees, you know? Right. And, and then, so you have like a, a huge amount of, I don't know, I don't know if <clears throat> the exact numbers, maybe one third of baseball is, uh, you know, these, um, these, you know, terrifically talented players. But like, I miss the, like the, you know, so you got the Burt Campanaris and these guys. But I miss the Hank Aarons, the Willie Mazes, you know, the guys from Mobile, Alabama, who just come up and just smack the crap out of the ball. And there was had a beautiful swing and just a wonderful ball player, Ken Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr.
1: Home runs. People want to see home runs, you know.
3: They, yeah, they, they want to, want to, to see, see grace, it. you yeah. know.
2: And the same thing, like, so in the fight game, seeing it, finally, I think people, it took me a while to understand the grappling of it because it was really tough for me to sit and watch and not understand, like, uh, the in- intricacies yes. of what's happening on the ground. And if it's a two minutes on the ground, you go like, okay, what else do we got? So I, I think that, like, I, you know, it's been a tough, slow process to educate people that it's interesting on the ground, too. And truthfully, what really what upped the game was, uh, you know, seeing, uh, you know, Rousey a female, actually take the the sport up to another level. And she was just, you arm know, bar. arm bars. Yes. But that was exciting how quick she could do it and, and her, her flexibility. She obviously, you know, ran out of somebody got her number. But uh, she couldn't get an arm bar pretty quickly. She was vulnerable. Really? But that was a fun – I mean, so for a woman to take the sport up to the next level, I really think she – is the one good, Would you say that she was the credit? No, no,
1: no. Again, she she did a fantastic job coming on the scene and just representing you know the, the female aspect of, of the mixed martial arts world. Yeah, and uh, to, to, to to finish all of our matches with that armbar and just like you said, so quickly in the the, the process. So know? going back to like when you
2: like, how did it get from like uh, your fireman? How the hell did it happen to where you're at the Tokyo Dome? I, I still don't understand that. I've known you for 15 years. I still don't understand that transition.
0: I don't either, Bernard.
4: <laughs> we had been doing judo for a while, yeah. and actually Don saw Dan, or I don't know if you were in yeah. touch with him, yeah. but no, I man. remember the next time I, I talked to Don, which a day or two after that fight, he's like, I got to do this. I got to do this. He's like, I got." I called Dan, and he's working on it. And yeah. then we just started, instead of going to like the boxing gym one day and wrestling one day and doing judo, we just started like incorporating it more. But like what you were saying about the, the learning curve, I can remember watching early UFCs and uh, the guy on the bottom skit appears to be getting beat. And the guy on the top uh, appears to be winning. And then all of a sudden the ref pulls him apart and the guy in the bottom won one, and everyone's like, what, what happened there? What happened there? Yeah. And my friends in the room are saying, what how, what transpired? What happened? I'm like, well, the guy Our in the boy. bottom, the guy in the bottom got him in sangaku, which the rest of the world calls a triangle. So he was choking him, and da, da 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 da. So we we had been mixing, and as as well as as Dan mixing this up. Well, Don
2: Don had the look and had the ability to to have a good ground game, but also you know just be like a man's man and just seeing you in those speedos making america making america proud over there <coughs> holding on part of america
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it brought up the viewership but yeah would
4: wouldn't you agree that like a lot of the people you know in in our world anyways already had a nice mixture of stuff and whether the rest of the world knew that they knew what uh, a certain arm bar was or a certain, you know, we it was already yeah. just, it was, just, just have that, it was known to us already. That, that
1: grapple background, actually, it, it it was a great foundation to work from. If you were a, a world-class wrestler, you were already used to be uh,
0: in front of the crowd. You you're, you're used to be, yeah. not only just being that in front of that crowd,
1: but, but also the referees. Uh, a lot of countries did not like Americans. Yeah. Forget the propaganda that's being disputed at the time. I mean, you know, we, we just... A lot, of this, a lot of countries did not like Americans for whatever reason. And so, when you'd walk out on the mat, you did not... Not only did you have to beat your opponent. Yeah. There'd always be three referees. You had to beat two out of three of the referees at, as well. Yeah, you had because, to win. Because you, you always... If you decisively well the the, the center referee yeah. the guy I saw on the mat he'll be calling like okay there was a takedown he'll be he'll be seeing that there, there was a point and then he's looking to the, one of the side referees because one of the other judges would always have to agree with them Confirm. and half yeah. the time when he's looking away at one referee, the other referee would be like all of a sudden oh tight shoe or he'd be looking off this way and uh yeah. just never see it so they wouldn't get the confirmation so literally when i say that you had to beat two out of three of the referees on top of your opponent, you had to do it at that time. So, here, so. But,
2: but the jump now to go to, like, Pride. Like, when did Pride come in? Is that, is that Pride was kind of was, was kind of a, an earlier one where it started to go, like, big? You know, you, you got the sense of, like, okay, there's a
1: shitload of money in this now. Pride, I mean, Pride was really big. I mean, for, again, for the Japanese market, with was huge. Yeah. Uh, th- and, and it, it actually, I, I think, in some ways, became almost a, a bigger freak show than, it did, than yeah. with the... UFC was it, it, it kind of became like well
2: it, because it no holds bars and also it was um it was seemed to be a combination of of mixed martial arts and wrestling in the sense of the hysteria yeah. you know that like just the maddening the maddening screaming crowd. Uh, well I think
1: I think if you could take some of the charisma yeah, of professional <coughs> wrestling. Again, again, we're talking about a couple of different things. There's amateur <laughs> wrestling backgrounds that that, yeah. were, that that we're sharing, and actually, we even talked before we even started rolling. You, you were saying that I kind of look like a wrestling coach. Yeah, I'm you like do. Going, oh, big deal. No. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, So, so, but again, but that's that's what a lot of our pedigrees are, are as well. That, that, that's our background. But it's uh, the grappling portion is huge. You can actually take a guy that that has a very high skill level. They're, they're pretty good about not getting hit. Yeah. And if you can get to that that takedown or get to that clinch or get them jammed up against that cage wall, yeah. you've neutralized 90-plus percent of most stand-up capabilities. Right. Most stand-up strikers, they need an amount of space to throw that punch, that kick, that spinning back fist, that spinning back elbow, knees, elbows. They need space. But right. the moment that you're clinched, taken down, I used to always say that I, I was just a wrestler, and I, and I basically just w- would do those three elements, and that was really the, the premise I went out there with, and it served me quite well, but now that the sport has been around long, long enough, yeah. the, the <coughs> sport not only has evolved, but all of the athletes have evolved with it. Now, today, you, you've got, well, Don was probably the, one of the most complete uh, competitors in the ultimate fight Championships because he, he had a boxing a I mean, probably. He had a
2: Don had this special uh, quality to be able to wrestle and also go toe to toe with you and also break a, an opponent's hand by ducking his head. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Oh, I mean, yo, literally, spot on. I mean, literally. On. Like I saw when he went down there, and then the guy didn't hit him again in the, in the head because he his hand was done at that point. So Don had a special like he just knew. You know, there was a, the, the a fighter has to. They say you know. In, in boxing, they got to sacrifice the body. You got to step in, you know. And Don was that guy. He was just like he was not going to back away. Well,
1: well, well, Rob, to take you back to some of my coaching days at Arizona State, yeah. um, as as a assistant as coach, I went out with the, the wrestlers at, at a few of the different uh, uh, establishments that they would go to to partake of uh, some beverages and and uh, things of that <laughs> nature. Well, uh, if there was some altercations. Um, as they're heading outside, I was following right along there with them. <laughs> okay, following right along with them. And they're, now they're looking at me because okay, it, it'd be, it'd be done. That would be, you know, that's going to be in, in the middle of all this. And they're like, and, and they're looking at me. I was at, picked it. on them, you Okay, know. Now, now they're looking at me and they're like, oh, you're not going to be jumping in. I go, oh, no, 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 no. I, trust me, I'm not going to jump in on this. I'm just here to make certain that y'all ain't going to be jumping in there. I go, he's good to go. I feel sorry for him. The sorry son of a bitch who's going to go up against him right now. I know.
2: Well, that's what happens. You know, the thing that those amazing with Don is that you know when any great fighters, there's a peace about them. You know, because they have a confidence to them, and there isn't like they don't have to prove anything. It's the people that have to prove something. These are the assholes that try to jump on you. And I was with Don with some some guy who literally jumped on his back and just like, what can you do? And Don was very graceful. It was at a re- it was at a bar really? or restaurant. Bar restaurant, and he said he didn't want to destroy the guy and, and break his face because he was with me and didn't want to ruin the movie, didn't want to get in the newspaper, or whatever. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had to shoot the next day, but like it was the, it was that kind of gracefulness about it, and also the he was like he's very kind about <laughs> to not destroy this guy. I've jumped on on your back.
4: I, I don't know that guy you're talking about. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sure he you know uh, yeah we were uh, we were about we shooting a movie. And we had a great time on it. But Don was a uh, Terrific actor too, as well. It was able to like. I really appreciate that because Don was able to like settle down in a scene, knew what the scene was about, and able to do the scene and to do it in a way that wasn't about you know what what he could showcase for what the best thing that was for the scene. And it was great to have that. He didn't have to you know explain anything. He knew understood understood it was the difference between like comedy and drama, and all comedy is is drama just turned up sillier, and it was funny. You could just see it in his eyes, you know, and it, it was fun to do, and it, it was a. A Difficult shoot because we're up there in a in a a real
0: in a real prison in a real prison.
2: (laughs) It was a women's penitentiary that was an active women's penitentiary. The problem was there's just not enough women felons (laughs) to really fill it out. Uh, California was disappointed that they didn't you know the the uh, they didn't they had they made a prison for women felons. It just wasn't enough violent women they're just not getting caught Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. out there Rob. I, I, yeah. I, I give
0: you a, I get a phone book full, of, full of it's
2: called this black book but that's, a, that's yeah. so, yeah. so we we just had a great time my, my best compliment I got on that whole movie was Don's uh, looking at me while we were doing this shower scene basically naked in the shower he said hey, what kind of steroids are you on and I went alright he thinks I'm taking steroids <laughs> what are you taking I said oh fuck yeah that's a good compliment a, we had a good scary, time you're scary in the shower <laughs> <laughs> we had a good time though and it, was, it was fun, you know it, uh, Getting to make a, a movie <clears throat> It's just It's really a rarity Because it's the most It's the hardest thing In all show business to do Okay well, we, we had Bob
0: Sap And Bob was fantastic Yeah Bob, He was great Bob was just silly You know He's he, a, yeah, 380 he, pounds of muscle <laughs> silly
2: Yeah I that, remember that the stunt coordinator Gary Garcia Great guy He said to me There was a scene Where I'm supposed to be Jumping on on, on Bob Sap And he said Listen to me Here's the deal Bob Saps about 3, 340. And he said, uh, if he falls on you, movie's over.
3: <laughs> so <laughs>
2: that's it. So uh, do you really want to do that? And I said, like, well, let's, what else can we do? And so well, we had a good time. You know, you just, you try to make a movie and um, and do the best you can with it. That, that title was originally, we couldn't make that movie again today. No. That movie was originally called uh, Unrapable. And it's about a guy. Originally, going, that's what it was called. I yeah. Think say,
0: I think you'll see blazing cells
3: too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: you know,
2: so make that. it's about a, a, a little guy who's a criminal is about he's going to go to prison and is afraid what could happen to a little guy in prison. And so he try he hires the master to train him to uh, defend himself in there. And uh, and it's it's just a fun movie it that you couldn't that you couldn't make today. You know, it's one of those things like you couldn't make Blazing Saddles today. No, no. you could, You couldn't make this. No, one. there's there's a lot of movies that would that would be frowned upon. Yes. Yeah, but uh, one of the things I really took with me was like uh, you, you you just hope that there's somebody who's a, a real fighter who guy like, can can act. And that can bring some gravitas to it and have some humor to it. And Bob and, did it, yeah. And you did. Bob did. You were terrific, you know? And Bob. it's like I was I'm always looking for something for Don. You know, we're doing this little movie, we're gonna have to have you do something in it, a new one.
0: I just hid behind you the whole time. Right? <laughs> I just eye
3: candy. You did all the work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you did great. It was it was a blast. Rob, how, how long have you been in
1: the movies, though? I mean, well, how you know, long have you been in that, in that industry?
2: I didn't know anybody in the business, and I just, uh, but I wanted to do it. You know, and there's a certain thing about, like, you don't realize when you're a young man, it's like, you know, uh, just... If you love something, you want to do it, that excitement is what can create something. That's just the way, like, the I'm positive how, like, the universe works and creativity. It's half you and half your excitement to it and then bringing something to it. And then and then the next thing you know, uh, you're just, um, you know, I, got in, uh, I I wasn't able to get jobs as an actor, but I was able to get on stage as a comedian. So I'll be acting out these scenes, you know, as my stand-up act, which I still do. I play all the characters because I wasn't getting acting work. I wasn't writing movies that were getting made. And then the next thing I got on Saturday Night Live, which is small little scenes, you know. And so that, that was kind of worked into movies. And it was just, um, I didn't have any career um, guidance or any career plan. And I think my career has proved that.
4: <laughs> I have no plan. <laughs> How old were you when when you knew you wanted to be an actor?
2: Well, I mean, I, I, I kind of knew it like 13, 14. I, I saw George Carlin perform and I, like, it was just, I laughed my ass off. And how can this guy be this funny? I didn't realize it's years and years and years and years and years. But, but, but yeah, it takes us a Saturday while. Saturday Night
1: Live was actually
2: what I think. When I was, was, I was in my twenties, when I got on Saturday Night Live, that was another because I was doing stand up, and Robin Williams got discovered in San Francisco, and then they said this guy was so talented, they started looking for other guys, and then Dana Carvey was another guy, super talented, super funny, very w- lovely, humble guy, and with a gigantic talent. And then they said, well, after him, they started looking for a new guy, and then I was the other guy that they picked, so not as talented as you, those guys. You were known
1: as. The Rob Bad The rabbad. The, Robert, the Robert yeah. You never know what's going to hit. That the rabadaster used to the copy machine. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. That that, <laughs> that the, the, those guys. <laughs> that couple hit couple hard. guys, couple of guys showed me that 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 just before you he got here and I thought, "Oh my god, I, somehow I've, I've got to work that in because that, that, that was fantastic. That you was know, fantastic. You never know
2: what's going to like America just wants to to laugh and looking for something funny. Exactly. And, to something to do and like for you know radio guys in the morning they go good morning in the more I ride the Stevinator right. <laughs> Fryorama people still don't <laughs> hit you with that quite a not bit not as much I was like God that's twenty eight years ago now yeah
1: but it so it's but it was it it's, was it was, it, very it com- was timeless it, it was kind com- it
2: had like the it just hit the pop culture it was great though right you
0: did a great you know you are like Midas you got the Midas touch right? was that
4: your idea
2: yeah or? that was uh, you know what happened was I was in the writers room and. What happens because they had so many people. That was one of the casts where there's too many people on the cast, you know, <laughs> like the scrawl in the beginning where they introduced the cast seemed to be longer than the actual show. And Dana Carvey and Phil Hartman yeah. and uh, Al Franken and, 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 and Adam Sandler and Dana Carvey and Rob Schneider. It was just it was very long. So they they had so many writers, uh, the performer writers that they, they kept dividing up the offices into half of a half an office. <laughs> and I had the heater and cooler. And I'm claustrophobic because I have two older brothers, and then uh, my you know getting smothered my whole yeah. childhood. So then they they had me in this tiny little office, and then I, I hated it. So I got out of there, and then I would just sit out in the writers' room, and people would walk by all day, and I just noticed you couldn't be you couldn't be as excited the tenth time when you yeah. see somebody, like, Kevin. All right, Kevinator. <laughs> Kevin going to the bathroom. You know, <laughs> so it, it, and it was a very simple idea, and I think the simplest ones are the ones that, that oh. they kind of get across. But it's been fun, you know. I honestly like I'm still shocked that I've been doing this for thirty years. I, I can't believe it. You know, you just the next thing you know. I mean, I, I didn't have people punching me in the face. I mean, critics. You look like it. I know, I do feel. I've been married a few times, too. <laughs> Financially punched in the balls a few Holy times. Oh, shit. No
3: kidding.
2: But, but they, you know, the, the main thing is just, to, I mean, if you're going to keep doing it, you got to love it. you gotta make, You got to have fun with it. And, and to rediscover what it is you love about it. Because if you're not excited about it, it does go away.
1: No, no, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. You can, I, I could I I hear in your voice that you really enjoyed what, what you're doing, and you said you got a new project that you're working on Yeah, with my
2: daughter, which is, um, I still can't believe it's happening. I mean, we've got to work on the script a little bit more. but. It's which just daughter, though? My daughter, um, Miranda. Yeah. Who goes she's goes six or seven? She's, she's eight. Wow. And she's just discovering that, like, people know me for, like, another reason than just yeah. they know me.
1: Eight, third, be like third grade, second, second grade, third grade? Okay,
2: all right. Just turned eight, yeah. And uh, it's fun. It's it's going to be a nice little movie. It's about a, a dad who's kind of a loser guy with the dreamer, and it's never quite worked out for him. And her, his daughter's embarrassed that they're not going anywhere, and everybody <laughs> else is for spring break. And so she, she lies and says she's going to go to all these places, and the dad says, I'm going to make it happen for you. And they don't have any money so they sneak into places and stuff like
1: that <laughs> teaching the teach young all those, that, the tricks of the trade okay. I lived that yeah. I lived that story <laughs> no,
4: really my my son I went to his uh I don't know, third grade teacher conference you know and uh lady says "Miss Moreno Mr. Moreno your life is so exciting you've you know, doing a white water raft. So he had been feeding her that we've been <laughs> all over the place, and she keeps bugging me about all this stuff. I'm like, let's talk about his grades. And stuff. <laughs> and finally, I told her, I'm like, he has something to tell you. So he t- breaks down and tells her that it wasn't real. That he was, wow. a- and th- they both started crying. And they hugged each other. She's like, "You don't have to do that. I love you." You know? Oh my god! Uh, yeah, your so dad's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I've never it's been not you. The
1: It's town. not you. Intervention here, huh?
3: It's <laughs> not you. It's your dad.
2: So, <laughs> yeah. so we're just trying to, you know, and, and to make get some laughs because right now I think we really have a an era of like it's it's not that I would say things are uglier than ever. I mean, it's always the potential of the ugliness is always there if you look for it. But it's just never been more obvious in society the ugliness and oh. the and and the the uh, manipulation of the ugliness for profit for for tech companies profit yeah. is is totally there and so there's that that uh, that really hyper focused on the separations and the ugliness and the the people shitting on other people like as if there's only two different ways of looking at the America and and like and like Republicans I just remember like when there was a flood in Houston a couple of summers ago and now there's like it's fro it's like yeah. minus eight degrees there it's like it's like the arctic um you know global warming right there yeah. so i remember like when there was a flood in houston I, I would tell this to people i said you know when they were when the firemen you know thank you for your service when the firemen were going around and, and people saving other people in boats you know when they, on the yeah. on the roofs they weren't yeah. saying are you a republican or a democrat <laughs> okay the democrats you can get in the boat republicans no it's like, no, you save your neighbor. You know, it's exactly. like, so that this, this whole hyper, um, you know, the, this, um, th- this is kind of like the ultimate fighting between like, oh, as if there's only two groups of Americans and they're, they're so right. disparate and they have they have a lot more in common than they have separately. So it's just a manipulation and people will hopefully um, wake up to it that they're being, all of us are being used for um, Twitter's profits, for Google's profits. And for Facebook's profits, and so I hope people wake up to. Him. to him. Yeah. yeah. To
0: go see a man about a horse. <laughs> get
2: on <laughs> that.
3: I got to
0: manipulate something.
2: <laughs> you go manipulate that and come right back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, <laughs>
2: we'll talk about you when you're gone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about his back. We can
2: edit this out. <laughs> he's a, he, I guarantee. Is he going to come back or no? Oh yeah, no, Dad will be, be, no, be back. Yeah, he'll good, be back. Good, he good.
1: just like I said he's got to uh, take care of things. he's at that age now that yeah. uh, you know you just can't. Uh,
2: they have they have uh, things for that now. <laughs> they, have, they have those truck driver things you piss in. I think they have that. Really? Yeah, it's like a tube or something. You got to stay on the road, baby. You Got to keep driving. <laughs> yeah, got to no, deliver I, that at those Amazon stuff, no, whatever no, no,
1: it tr- takes. Tr- trust me, I've it's, it's, uh, done a lot of truck drivers. that They don't uh, stop too often. It's, uh, they, I remember that. Like I remember that
2: female astronaut who was trying to kill the lover of, of the wife of her of her lover. She had like adult diapers on. She's like, I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill that bitch. I'm not taking any time. She was like, you know, uh, stalking the woman. You gotta look it up. Is astronaut, it real, female astronaut, adult diapers. Just look it up. Somebody look it up. Come Sub- on,
1: Subject that that category. I'm yeah. not, I'm not doing it. Yeah, on my yeah, phone. yeah, it's uh- <laughs>
2: astronaut. No, no, no. It was this girl that was trying to. She was uh, having an affair with an astronaut and uh, who was married. and She wanted to kill the the wife. Yeah, I think these great stories. That's a good one astronaut adult diaper woman you know <laughs> sorry i digress we'll wait for don to come back i guess so so what else no
1: we don't we don't we don't have to by the way Don, we'll just keep on rolling here i'm a little bit more curious though about again, just getting how how you got your start in uh i mean not just your start in movies but uh did you do something in high school? Did you do something in college? Were you like a had, part of the had drama no, team? I mean, there was no,
2: a- you know, I came from, a, I, I didn't realize it was a, it wasn't such a poor neighborhood I came from, but it was a poor school district. Where did uh, you grow up? The Laguna Salada School District, you know, and it was in, just below San Francisco, it was a little beach town called Pacifica, and um, they didn't have a drama program. They didn't have like, a, they had a music program and then they lost it for a lot of years and My family and I put it back in for 15 years, and then it's still existing now. But it was so, we didn't have drama. But what they did was they put on a show in the cafeteria, which is not exactly a theater, but it's what we had. You know, it was like a little stage, and you get up and you do it, and they put some chairs in and put a microphone and a couple speakers, and then put on like a little talent show. And that was like the first thing I ever did. But at like 15, I realized, I found out that there was a comedy club that was called the Holy City Zoo, and I found out that on Mondays they allow... Anybody to go on stage if they
4: just wait in line. Like an open mic.
2: Yeah. So I told my, exactly. So I told my dad, I said, there's, there's like this place uh, that lets anybody go on. on that's Mondays. pretty ballsy.
1: At 15. At, at 15.
2: 15. And ballsy. my dad said, okay, let's go. And so he drove me out there. We waited with like 30 other comedians, you know. So, I mean, so called. Your dad comedians. was into it. My dad was, yeah, he had comedy albums. He understood. It, and he so always supported me. You know, that's, that's like, that was an important thing to have was like, you know, Not somebody go, sure. yeah, let's do it. As opposed to like now, what are you doing?
4: you know, It'll be a comedian, come on,
2: yeah, I mean, it's just well I mean, it's not exactly like a a a strategy for success in life wanting to become a comedian, especially when you know they didn't know anybody that did that so but it was uh you know, having that support was just gigantic, it was enormous, and then you know, I kind of had success with it pretty quick. I mean it took me a couple of years, but like you know, I started sixteen a little bit and then seventeen and then eighteen. By the time I was 19, I was doing a full-time. And by the time I was 20, I did my first national TV show. By 22, I was on David Letterman. And then, um, like, 25, I was on Saturday Night Live. Wow. So, I mean, at that time, it's like it's a lifetime. By the time, from, like, 16 to 25 is like a 30 or, you know, like half of your adult life at that time. So it was like uh, that seemed like it's forever. But now I realize that wasn't that long of a time.
4: What was that first set like? How would you do?
2: Uh, the first set, I you know, first of all, it's not comfortable for an audience to see a child on stage, you know. So I had a trombone, and between jokes, I would like play the trombone, like like some weirdo, you know.
1: But um wait, wait, wait! Hey, I played the trombone also. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I, Judy, I played it. the trombone. I played <laughs> so. trombone, yeah, but it's <laughs> yeah. Not, not exactly. The, no, no, exactly. It's not. It's it, not it, it if Play the cornet. Play the drums. It'd be something. The trombone different. by yeah. you know, you play the violin
2: by yourself if you play well or play the piano by yourself. That's nice. You play the trombone by yourself. Can you turn that off?
3: (laughs) Can you do that in the garage? You know?
2: So, but uh, anyway, it was just, um, you know, you you get on stage, and then it it takes years, and you kind of have to break down your ego and and then figure out how to do it as an art form. Uh, And, and, you know, get at the same time, it's like, I I call it stage legs, like sea legs. Okay. You got to get comfortable, like... um, if you're not comfortable, the audience isn't going to be comfortable. And then, the, if you're a child, the audience isn't going to be comfortable because they're drinking, you know, trying to get laid or whatever. And and like you're this child on stage and basically a, a witness to their own depravity, and their own drunkenness. So it's uh it's not cohesive to um conducive I should say, to um you know successfully you know being a comedian. But then at the same time, you got a little I got a little bit older, had a kind of a rockabilly look, and then like in twenty twenty one, it was um. Uh, more acceptable, and then by the time uh, you know, uh, it, it was it was kind of fun, and then you you realize like sometimes it'd be packed and it'd be like wonderful, like it, you you'd, you'd have a great audience. You go, yeah, this is amazing.
3: Well, especially
1: yeah. when you're you're orchestrating them and you know what you're doing, you're, you're spinning your craft and you're getting the pop. When yeah. You, so it becomes more seasoned. And then, and it's got to be like, like a drug too. Like oh my goodness,
4: you, you feed off of it and you want more and more. Well, then you
1: realize, you know, first of all,
2: girls would you know want to take you home that would never have anything to do with you if you weren't a performer. That was the thing. Like what, <laughs> what? And I just remember, you know, like this is the greatest thing ever. This is like, a, you know, um, this is another part to this that I had no idea about. The fact that you can get women outside your your um, your division, so to speak, <laughs> your you know your weight class, so to speak, and and so these these beautiful girls all of a sudden they'd be like, oh my goodness, you know there's there's um uh, so it, it was just a it was a kind of the idea of fame suddenly, you know poked its ugly head into in you know and and, and then became part of my consciousness like wait a minute there's there's some accoutrement to this thing you know I can. There's some good stuff that comes with it—money, fame, and that kind of thing. But the the the, the key to it is the art and, and loving it. You know, like I would say, the difference between me and Adam Sandler and, and the, our generation, uh, with David Spade and those guys, Chris Rock was—we really wanted to become famous. We really wanted to become good at our craft and be—and um, it wasn't like a druggy group of like the first. You know, because that was a very cultural thing. Not just it was at SNL, but like in the 70s, it was a druggy thing. You know, people, nobody OD'd at cocaine at that time. You know, that was like, you know, it was, uh, you know, Woody Allen used to do jokes about that in his movies, whereas, you know, it became right. dangerous when there was a lot of it and a lot of money.
0: Richard Pryor.
2: <laughs> yeah, but we never had enough money to like get into trouble with drugs. And it was also realized, I, you want to be famous then you don't want to be those guys who are doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, it's like the athletes are not going to be successful. The ones who are. Going out drinking too heavy.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. It's I don't a, know anything about that. <laughs> uh-huh.
3: <laughs>
2: They're the exceptions. There was always the Lawrence Taylor.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: The guy be, out, you know, don't he'd team. be out all night partying and what. Can you imagine that guy sober? <laughs> what he would have done to opposing teams if he was not up all night doing blow and
1: and um, with uh, the, I'd say in the the mixed art martial arts uh, era. That would have been the. the Take Abbott, right? That uh, partook of a little bit too many barley pops, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say take Abbott was probably the biggest standout that uh partied pretty hard. And he even would be, uh, that, yeah, Braggosha said, I he- just climbed off of a bar stool just to come here, just to uh, you know, yeah. take a, a bunch of sip drink of coffee, and here I am. So, That's uh, a bunch
0: of it was yeah, okay, he, what? Sold, he sold a good package, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, come on, they. He trained in wrestling. They talked about at Ultimate Ultimate Two. They talked about having Jesse Reed train him. You know, I mean, and the UFC paid for that because the UFC wanted uh, Tank Abbott to be their poster boy. So they they paid for him to. Be, Oof, I yeah, don't know. They paid for him to be trained, and uh, but he sold the package of just getting off the bar stool, which is, like I said, just yeah. complete bullshit.
2: It's a character thing too, yeah. for sure. You know, like uh, I could tell, like um, the last fight that um, the the Irish champion—I uh, can't think—McGregor, McGregor, yeah, Conor McGregor. I can just yeah. tell he wasn't at his best. As soon as he wasn't doing the dance when he walked into the ring, you know, he was singing. That's a big difference. Yeah. You know, if you're not not looking like you're ready to beat the shit out of somebody and you're singing, and he didn't do that, you know, you didn't see like the he, McGregor. He,
1: yeah, I could say that, that his his McGregor walk. Yes, he yeah. He didn't
2: do like the, the that little lion thing that he normally mm. does. You know. Um, hello. And, uh, so I knew something was up with him. He still was, you know, in the first round was still doing pretty good. That guy looks like he's always performing. Like he's fighting yeah. on one lung. He runs out of air uh, <laughs> as I watch him. You know, that, that, that was the fight that with the two big, the, the gloves that were too big, you know, the, when he tried to do real boxing, I thought like, yeah. Oh,
4: he's not going to make this. He did have a pretty good saying after the fight though. Did you hear what he said? I he said wish. this, this sport, <laughs> uh, this sport is, does not reward people that take time off. <laughs> oh okay, okay, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 that was pretty good. So,
2: but um, yeah, I mean that's you know I hopefully that guy saved his money. I think he's doing okay.
0: Yeah, yeah he's got that uh, that whiskey thing going, you know.
2: Yeah, a lot of actors say the same thing. You know, it's like they don't make money in, in films as much, but they go to China, they do a beer commercial, right. and they hope no one ever sees it. <laughs> you know, George Clooney will get five million bucks to do a beer commercial in in China for a Zing Dao, and then the next thing you know, right. Yeah, I want that. That's what I'm trying to get.
0: Well, oh, uh, geez, Louise. Who's a diehard act? Bruce Willis. Bruce yeah. Willis went, goes to Japan does, you know, uh, a $5 million commercial, you know, for a bank or something.
2: Yeah, that's good. I that's if so you can get yeah. it.
0: One day, two day shoot. Yeah, and then yeah. comes back with a wheelbarrow full of money. Right, yeah, that's
2: good shit. He does a lot of movies, too, that you'll never see. He just goes, he's like, I see him, he's like
1: in Georgia shooting all the time, Louisiana. Yeah. I mean, let's go back a bit early on when we were no talking to you. Okay, you've been... How long have you been a native? You said since, since June? I, I, since yeah. June? Been here since, in June, yeah. Can I ask, uh, you know, what prompted you to what to uh, relocate <laughs> from? Could you say... I hey, look, I, I California, love... California to here? Or? I'm, I
2: consider myself a 1970s liberal, which makes me an arch-conservative now. <laughs> 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 and uh, I just couldn't stand it anymore. California, just the idea that... Um, you know, I mean, like, I'll just tell you one story. In our, and there it goes. The, um, we had a, um, and a we had, a, like, a nice condo in San Francisco. And they said, you have to remove the flower pots in front of the condo. And I go, I mean, they, they said, like, uh, I said, why? Because they're, they're being used as toilets by homeless people. And so that was it. Literally. So, like, um wow. So it, was, it just became nuts. And then the city didn't want to do anything. And it's like, you got tents in front of your place. So San Francisco just became like, uh, it used to be such a beautiful, amazing city. And it just isn't anymore. And the state is just, you know, going to shit. And to be honest with you, there's a one-party system uh, of Democrats. And they just ruined the state, honestly. I hope the recall happens. I hope, uh, you know, they throw that authoritarian asshole, Gavin Newsom out. And there's a good chance it's going to happen. We'll see. But they're also in charge of the... Election committee, which means you know the electoral board, which means like the um, yeah you yeah. know the, the, they're going to be in charge of throwing yeah. out stuff. All of a sudden, they care about signatures on ballots. Yeah, so we'll, and we'll Aunt see. Aunt
0: Nancy, you
1: know, <laughs>
2: yes. So we'll see what happens. But I will say that, like, Arizona is a more free state. It's open. You no, know, it's like big, Florida.
1: Big time. I've been to Texas a few times. I've been to Florida now a few times. I've got a few more trips coming up. And I love this, the state governors uh, of these states because they're, they're, they're proactive. They're yeah, well, things. you know, you
2: have, to keep, you have to keep things open. You have to keep the, uh, you know, the idea that uh, um, you have to shut everything down for a, for a virus that has a 99.8% cure rate. Yep, seems yeah. to me, uh, you know, and and to not to say like uh, you know, it the the collateral damage from shutting it down, Is. from from the suicides, from the the psychological, uh, you know, taking a year away from these children's, I mean, all the sports, all the final year in college for those basketball kids, all the high school kids, and there's a year of their lives, you know, so they're like, and then like uh, seeing like businesses, half of all restaurants. Uh, you know, threatened to go under.
1: Yeah, but just see what you're talking about with the, with, with the school, with the uh, children having to be home from school. Who who could be there watching? Yeah, it, exactly. It, it, that's it, just it, assuming.
2: That's just assuming that 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 everyone has good internet and that the parents can stay there and watch them. But like a lot of the parents, both par- my both my parents worked. Yes. What are they yeah. going to do? You know, my mom's a school teacher. My dad was a salesman. What? What? what, what no one was going to be there to watch us. You know. I mean, like, um, no one was there when we got home. You had to take care of your own. You know. So um, it's, it's absolute lunacy and elitism. And these noticing, uh, very noticeable that the Democratic governors and, and the senators and assemblymen at the, uh, the state level, they were all getting paid while the rest of their um, electorate was unemployed. Yeah. Interestingly. Yeah,
0: you they're, know, they're, they, they're making a lot of money. Yeah, they're getting richer.
2: Yeah. And so, like, and, and I don't want these, you know, so you have to, you know, I'm always going to err on the side of, um, you know, individual responsibility is a risk. In, in in anything that you do now, who's going to decide what that risk is? I'm, I, I want to make that decision for me and my family. I don't want like some, uh, you know, state assemblyman or some uh, somebody who's who's getting all their money from the uh, pharmaceutical industry making that decision for me. Yep. You know, so we'll, we'll uh, but um, it was very interesting because, you know, they they um, they had a plan they, they I don't know if this thing was whatever, uh, but there was definitely used for political purposes and it's still being used for political purposes. You see these schools now where they have like uh, you know, plexiglass around every student when, yeah. <laughs> when children are not the drivers of this disease. So it's just, it's purely just, it's a psychological warfare. And I would say child abuse at this yeah, point, when you, absolutely. when you, when you surrounding this kid in plexiglass, putting a mask on their face all day, that is a psychological damage. We have no idea what that's causing, but I yeah. guarantee you it's not good. It ain't normal. And I ain't doing it to my kids. Yeah. That's why I moved to this state to get the hell out of California which is still struggling with it even though the CDC's and the the World Health Organization both criminal organizations both completely conflicted and they're changing their 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 rules all the time they're saying like you know like if you had the coronavirus like I had which wasn't that horrible wasn't that great but like now they're saying that, that that's that no longer they were saying well if you had that then you're fine now they're saying no you have to take the vaccine and I guarantee you in 2 years no matter what, you heard it here first. In two years, it's going to be like, if you, or every commercial on TV is going to be, if you or anyone you know took the COVID vaccine, you could be eligible for millions of dollars. In, in, uh, you know, but uh, Which is not true, actually, because you they're complete liability free. They have no liability, the pharmaceutical industry, the doctors, Jeez. hospitals. If something does go wrong, you can't sue them. You can't. Did you know that?
1: No, I did not know that.
2: So, if something does go wrong, if you're one of the people that has a bad reaction to this, you cannot sue. So they have no liability. There's absolutely no reason for them to want to make anything safer because it doesn't—it doesn't cost them a damn thing. So, I mean, I really think you have to—you um, have to question who's benefiting from all this stuff. And I really think like it's—you don't have to look too far. No. So, you should probably cut that out if you stay yeah. on here on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you—are
4: you, uh, you going to take the vaccine or no?
2: I, I you know I already had it so why should I take it and I I don't also it's like it's also like uh, I'll, I'll tell you the, like you know, there's that meme out there these two mice the one mice uh, the one mouse says to the other mouse you got gonna take the new COVID nineteen vaccine said so, said no no way in hell why not I'm waiting until they're done with the experimental human trials
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know I'm fantastic. sorry but
2: yeah you know I don't know I I, I feel like. Uh, you know, I, I agree with the, the guy Desanti in Florida. Let's keep things open. Let's keep businesses going. Sure. And if people want to take it, they can take it. But the idea that you got to mandate anything that, that that is a liability-free drug, I, I don't think you should mandate anything that uh, where you can't sue if something goes wrong.
4: Like you said, you can choose for yourself if you want well, to be idea. in the mix of, you know, they're to, they're,
2: but they're going to try to take it away, though. Look, they're going to try to do like, well, you can't get on planes right. unless you have this thing, which is un-American. It's like, it's, it's like, well, you're free to stay in your home, but you're not free to go, and you know. So th- that is un-American, and hopefully people will stand up for individual liberty, which is what this country was founded on.
1: Yep. I totally agree with everything that you said there. You know, Bob. so I mean, actually, individual liberty. Is fantastic uh, that, uh, that I've learned this part because a lot of people that are around the, the film industries tend not to be they could the, the way that uh, you're they so. well yeah well, well you know, you don't
2: see tom hanks calling me up for any movies anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> that's okay you know it, look it, it I, I think at a certain point in a man's life and uh, when your country is uh, under attack and in a tyranny that's happening and, and i really feel like it's uh, uh closing in as far as fascism is just when you have a industry that is controlling the government very close to, which is the pharmaceutical industry. At a certain point, you either have to stand up now or it will be a century in chains. And I think Americans have to stand up and, and want liberty and want to be able to make their own choices for what they want to do with their families and for, how, for what kind of country they want to have.
4: Careful, Rob, don't incite anything.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: So, I mean, and, and that's why I think, like, the governor, it's going to be interesting to see if Governor Newsom gets recalled. If he does, it's going to be a it's going to be a, a rocket shot over the bow to other authoritarian people putting in and restricting oh. liberties.
3: You
1: you could go state after state with that when I mean, we look at uh, you know, New York's Governor well, Cuomo right now. What, well, he's under
2: he's here. getting yeah. a lot of, of of shit. Finally, the FBI is yeah. getting involved now. So you know you can't lie to your uh, to the electorate, even if you have a. Um, you know control of your own legislature and you have the governorship at a certain point, people will, go, will, will be exposed and they will be. And at the end of the day, like, I, I think it's it's not a Democrat, it's not a Republican, it's not a libertarian thing. It's do you want to have a free country where people can make the decisions? I remember, like, a friend of mine saying in, seven, in 1976, the t- 200 year, um, you know, the bicentennial, this has been the greatest country in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. How are they going to fuck it up?
0: Yeah, they figured out how to do it. Too. How are they going to fuck it up? From the inside. From
2: the know. inside. From, from, from saying, like, you know, free speech. Well, not all free speech. What do you mean not all free speech? The idea of free speech is for me to stand up for the speech that I, that, that I find loathsome, that I find right. that, that, that makes me sick to my stomach. You're either for that or you're either for all of it or none of it. And the idea that there needs to be some sort of, then who's the one deciding? Who are the fact checkers? You know, interesting, I have a friend, Dr. Drew, who was just silenced on, um, and, and like warned on, on Facebook, and, and or, I'm sorry, kicked off Google, Google or YouTube, which is the same shit, and he's talking to, he's a board-certified physician, talking to another board-certified physician about science, about stuff that they know about. For 30 years each, these guys, and they said, well, no, 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 no. They're fact-checked by these nerds who don't, who are, so it's not about science, is it? It's about control. It's about, you know, we have, uh, there's, we're going to do what we want to do and it isn't about like, you know, science. So basically, you know, science is handicapped by the politicians and then we're handicapped by what the science who is controlled by the politicians say. So that, that's kind of where we're at right now. And, and I think people wake up to it. Enough people will say enough of this shit. Unfortunately, you have censorship on a level that we've never seen before. Right. You know, it really is a, a it is a McCarthyism that's coming back in the late fifties, and people don't change. The situations that can come up will just r- invoke those 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 past um, you know that past ugliness, where like people like they've literally said, especially like the governor of I mean the you know the the mayor of Garcetti of L.A. like rat on your neighbors. Yeah, if this happens, rat on your neighbors. Like telling on I me. Mean, that's like that's like that literally is like something out of out of you know. Europe in the in, in the early 1940s.
0: Oh yeah, they're asking the kids rather than the parents too. Yeah, you,
2: please, if there's more than four people, and people in in England, what's happening right now? So, um, it isn't to say like if you are affected by this this virus, you could get for the people. It's got a 99.8 percent cure rate. That's just f- the fact. But if you are affected by it, people do get fucked up by it. But then again, people get fucked up riding a motorcycle. And if you get fucked up on a motorcycle, doesn't mean you should stop everybody else from riding a motorcycle. You know, but, the, but, you know, there's that idea, no, but what if, you, what if you're out there and you're affecting me? Well, then you can stay home. Right. That's my opinion. So, but, you know, that, that hasn't got me, you know, a lot of work in show business. Uh, but, uh, at a, like I said, at a certain point, you have to stand up for what's right and for freedom and for, uh, for standing up for what your beliefs are and, and help protect your country. I mean, people who, who stay silent, there'll be a time where you won't be able to talk. I and We're getting close to that,
1: Rob. Yeah. I, I, I can't agree with you more. I simply want to say Amen on, on almost all, all aspects right there. You like you said amen. almost. He left himself a little, yeah. little slack
2: and <laughs> almost thought that I like that. Oh, no, for I, I, know. Take, I take most of that as a compliment.
3: Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, okay. okay, okay. Uh, no, go. but I do
2: think we need to stand up and, and mm-hmm. like um um and speak our peace, because that's what it's about. I mean the d- d- uh, dissent, people mm-hmm. who um disagree and uh and trying to if you have a good idea i want to hear it and dissuade me with your better argument but to silence prove me, me wrong yeah. prove me wrong but to silence me to censor me to shut up people and demean them uh, to demonize them uh and try to destroy them is is a, is not a form of uh, democracy is not a form of to bettering society or coming up with better it's ideas control yeah it's control As they
0: say you're, you're- Inciting of something, or it's hate speech. It's, yeah, it's a, who, who a, determines this? Well,
2: right. So the, it is a form of tyranny. It's a form of authoritarianism, totalitarianism. Oh, something more aligned with what you see in China.
0: Absolutely.
2: What you more and see uh, in, in the former Soviet Union.
0: Oh, when you got uh, sports stars that are, uh, you know, going. Yeah, that's 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 bad. You know, I mean, people are going to follow their lead just because. Yeah, you know they're they're sports figures and uh, shit. What they call them, um, role models, right? And they're they're fucking role models, but these role models are just doing what what's putting money in their pocket.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, I would, you know, I I think um, we are and we are in a tough age right now, and I, I think that people, uh, I think Americans will choose freedom. They will. I hope so. Uh, they yeah. will, and they are. It's just unfortunately, it's not represented because if they're able to silence people, we don't know how many people are being silenced on right. Twitter, Google, YouTube, Facebook. We don't know how many thousands of voices are being silenced, and uh, millions. Yeah, me. we. Yes, I would say, you know, um, so we, we have to, you know, but, but Americans will stand up for it. It's like any form of totalitarianism. It can only go so far before people will will rebel against, and at a certain point. When people get silenced, um, you know, in society, like, whether well, it was the former Soviet Union where, like, everybody knew that Pravda and TASS, the state-run newspapers and uh, press outlets, were full of shit. Everybody yeah. knew that. Right. So they counted on, you know, word of mouth. You go, hey, but what do you think is going on? You know, and, and that's what the, you know, the Soviet citizens, would they count on that?
1: That was the first couple times I was actually in... Russia, when it was known as USSR, so I, yeah. I basically had a chance to see it, you know, firsthand. Yeah, yeah. When, when it was ruled, everybody scared yep, shitless yep. to say anything,
2: which is yeah. kind of similar now. Right.
1: L- literally, right. you would be out in public, and they would be looking over their shoulders as to who's watch to be talking to you.
2: Yeah, but you know what happened when it finally fell in East Germany was when they had a secret police set aside, like separated from the regular police and regular from society. Right. This group who was going to go in and kill and do whatever they got to do to remain and retain order. When these guys refused to shut it down and to kill their own citizens because they knew that their uncles and aunts and their brothers and sisters were also protesting and peacefully protesting, as soon as they refused to to clamp down and kill people, their own people, uh, that's when the society, that's when the government fell. Totalitarianism, uh, you know, that East Germany... Collapsed right then, and so I, I think it's going to be like whenever you have uh, totalitarianism, and it's coming up now in different forms, and it is, you know, and, and, and all through big tech now they're they're squeezing it, squeezing, it. and the idea that like, hey, they're a private company, they could do what they want. No, they are. They made a a pact with the Congress that they were going to be a public forum, and therefore they got the, this. Uh, The protections under 230 in Congress, which prevented them, uh, gave them liability protection from getting sued. So that needs to be taken away. Let them get sued by everybody. Let them have 40,000 lawsuits in a day. And trust me, this shit stops. But until they're going to go after the Democrats, because what, the, the, what I will say the liberals will do more than anything, the, instead of a, when they, the, they'll, the only people they'll attack more than, other, than the conservatives are the liberals that, stand, that step out of line. The illiberal liberals will attack the, the liberals and, and, and people who, who step out of line. And then at a certain point, the, the Democratic-controlled Congress will step in. And I, I hope so.
0: Well, I do too. Like yeah, when they start eating their own. Yeah,
2: well, that's that's what's going to happen, and we'll see.
4: You know, it's, it's the, got a, the partisanship has to stop, and and you have to do what's right eventually, not just for your party. But it's going to have
2: to cost them in their pocketbook. Yeah. Until yeah. they get until they get spanked with forty thousand lawsuits, Google, you know, for uh, or YouTube, for for not owning content or whatever, and they like then then you're going to see a change because all of a sudden there's going to be a couple of billion dollars and their stock will dip and they go what.
1: But media, media also has to be thrown in that equation. Media, media now is I mean, not doing
2: their they, job. they are, There's no checks and balances whatsoever. Yes, there's exactly. no longer journalism. It's Correct. just it's it's, not, it's just it's not objective at all. It's not about finding the truth. It's it's just about just keeping this narrative going. Right. And and um and I hopefully that that'll you know that'll run its course too. People are sick of it. I mean, if you take a look at like what the numbers are, Joe Rogan has five million listeners, and like you, you take CNN. And they might have you know five hundred and fifty thousand at night. I mean, as you get Joe Rogan and his podcast, will have five million. Yet CNN will have five hundred thousand, maybe three hundred fifty thousand some wow. nights. So you just, you just that's the kind of numbers you're dealing with. So all of a sudden, you have somebody who's entertaining, you have somebody who's really bright, and somebody who doesn't have a particular. Uh, I would say he's more liberal minded and and um, and definitely more libertarian. And, and, and not completely democratic or not completely republican but somebody's the, open-minded
4: yeah the agenda's not in your face
2: well yeah he he's doesn't have like a you know I mean he seems uh, independent like he's, he's he doesn't have you know a, 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 he's not told exactly what to say every night like some of the other news and and look it, it's um, it's something that will work its way because people will get sick of it and then it'll it'll run its course and then they'll have to do something else but I would just say to people who are like depressed about the, the modern media and, and the tech companies. Mm-hmm. It's only been about 15 years that it's been such a dominant form in our in our society. And if you look at any new industry or anything that changed the world 15 years in, I would just go back to aviation. This is my example. I say, if you look at 15 years into aviation, basically 1903, when the planes started, you know, flying planes, and 15 years later, uh, they were just learning how to kill people with it. So that's where we are with with social media, about fifteen years in, they're just learning how to destroy people, you know, kill them, you know, digitally, and kill their careers with it. And then it'll turn into aviation again, and then the people will be, be using it again. So I, you know, I I don't think it's it's a it's a case where to be completely, um, you know, one hundred percent negative or be depressed about it. I think it'll grow, and people will will respond accordingly, and hopefully, uh, you know, there'll be some sort of moderation to it. And that'll just have to be at the end of the day. It'll have to be in their pocketbooks. Again, if two thirty goes away tomorrow and they get sued, this shit ends. So, anyway.
1: I, I like the optimism. I like that. You got to be optimistic.
2: Yeah. What else you got? No, I, yeah. I, I, t- I totally, <laughs> totally
1: agree. I, I could agree with you more on, on that. So i <laughs> Who would you I've, fight? I've, I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed the conversation. Just, I, I, would just David, of... I would fight
4: David. I would fight David Spade because I think I could take him. Would you? Would you fight him in a in an MMA?
2: I think yeah, I right. think I think it's just regular boxing because I don't think we either of us would have the time to learn the grappling. Nobody wants to see David Spade and I grappling. But I do think like in a regular fight, I think cuz I knew like when I as a little guy growing up, you know you got to defend yourself. And you know you're going to get that one punch. Yeah. So you just look at that nose and just wait for it. Yeah. Cuz usually you most guys unless they're Don Fry or whatever, you know Don will get hit once and wake him up. <laughs> you know those guys who they get knocked down once and, and they, they wake up. It's like oh you you don't want to fight that guy. You want to fight hit a guy like okay he doesn't really want to fight. Those are the guys I I was dying to I couldn't wait to fight because those are the guys. Okay this is going to end quickly. You know I remember like a really nice guy Bob McPeak for some reason he was picking on me. He was six foot three and I was just trying to get to his nose. I said if I can just get to that nose. I said I'm faster than him. I'm little. I'm wired and I just I just got that right it was a short jab because that's the power right there and so you know he's looking down which is a huge disadvantage because you have no strength punching down but punching up you can use your legs so i said i just got that little turn you know (laughs) when you turn the fist rotate yes and i got his nose and then it was over
3: and i said okay (laughs) that was a good
2: one i didn't even get hit but then (laughs) there's another guy i fought like uh and my goodness um Schultz was his name. This guy had such hard hands. And there was a Dutchman, uh, Cliff Van, Van Der Werf. And this guy, I remember after the fight, I said, how did I do? And my, my, my friend said, well, your nose is over here on my cheek. He just had the hardest hands. That's the worst part. If you got to get with really hard knuckles, that just, you just feel it in your bones. It's like, good Lord. But, um, so you didn't want to fight, but if you did, you wanted to make sure it was around the school area. So that so it could be broken up. If, if it wasn't going in your favor, there was a decent chance. But sometimes you get caught on the way home and it's it's not on the street. It's right. like a, it's like a kind of an, it's like a grassy area and this there's, there's just kids around and working no, without a net. There's, 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 there's nobody gonna fight this one. No one's gonna break this fight up. Uh, hmm. and that's the worst one. So so it's like <laughs> you you kind of had to learn to do that. But then you know, and most of the fights though, most of the guys they don't want to like kill the other guy. It's just a, it's just a, uh, you, you get tired. Okay, that's enough. You know,
0: a lot of people don't only see in the sight of their own blood. You know, or as you have somebody like a uh, marvelous Marvin Hagler. He sees blood, his own blood, and he really gets, you know, wired up more, you know, yeah. like a bull.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. I'll tell you, Sugar Ray Leonard told me a, a great story. He said, like, he said, I knew, like, anything, because it was one of the great things, being a famous person. He's like, you know, I'm with Adam Sandler. The next thing I know, we're at a fight. And then the next thing you know, we're, we're back in Vegas and we're having dinner with Sugar Ray Leonard. The next thing you know, we're hearing Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard stories. He said, he said to me, I just knew anything I said. I just knew he was going to say he wanted the opposite. I said, I, I want... I said, I want big gloves, and then Sugar, I want small gloves. <laughs> I said, I, I said, I want the smallest ring you can get. I said, I want the biggest ring you can get. You know, so Sugar Ray got everything he wanted: a big ring, small light gloves, and um, and then um, I forget the other one. It was like uh, you know, twelve rounds instead of fifteen or whatever it was back then. But uh, you know, I really respect uh, Sugar Ray. I mean, just like, just a man to go toe to toe and fight the fight. What he shouldn't have against Duran. I don't know if you'll ever have a guy like that. No, no disrespect to Mayweather, but Mayweather never fought another guy's fight. He never said, "You know what? I am going to fight uh, and beat Pacquiao at Pacquiao's fight." You know, and he never fought Pacquiao in two thousand and seven. I am not taking away from Mayweather, but like he didn't fight Pacquiao in two thousand and seven because Pacquiao was a guy who can hit you from any any place with a left. All right. And the left was worse than the right. And he can, he can come at you from below his knees and those legs that he had and just turning those hips would just, it would just devastate you. And he was willing to sacrifice the body and get in close and you, you're going to knock him out. He's going to knock you out. And, the, that's not the guy Mayweather wanted to fight. He didn't want to fight somebody who who didn't care about losing because Pacquiao came from the slums. Yeah. My mom's from the Philippines. My mom was she starved during the war, and it's like there's a, just another level of like what you're willing to like when you right. starve, you're going to survive. There's another level of it. So that was like when Pacquiao came from nothing. Literally, it's like that. That's that's something that you can't uh, you know. When you go up teach. against that, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another desire. It's like when you see those those Russian tennis players, the girl Russian tennis players. It's like, Aah! You know, every time they hit the ball, it's like, Aah! You know, and these beautiful blonde girls, but my God, they have just another level. It's yeah. different than the blonde girls in America fighting, you know, playing a tennis match. They go, just, like, they know what, what it's like to, like, just live it, eat it, breathe it, and what it means to lose. We'll and walk, they don't want to walk,
0: walk. walk. five miles to get a bucket of dirty water. You know? yeah. So is your mom a Pacquiao fan? <laughs> she,
2: she just <laughs> passed away. She oh, sorry, did good. She made, it to, she made it through COVID. She kicked COVID's ass at 92, wow. and she just passed away of a stroke. But uh, oh, I don't know. She, she was like, a yeah. fan of, uh, of Pacquiao. I mean, she was, you know, very proud of being Filipino, but her father was an American soldier, and, like, so she just wanted to get to America, you know? She just knew that, like, America was going to be – she just wanted to have um, a chance at a better life. That's why education was everything to her. She was uh, the dog snorting, because <laughs> he knew I, I dropped. John, quit feed your dog cookies, okay? <laughs> I, you know, I dropped out of college, and my mom h- hated that because college was everything to her. College was freedom. College was college was having a roof over your head. That college ed- was food in your belly. That education's
1: huge. Well, huge, that's what we need.
2: That's what that's going to make a difference. Uh, you know, if you want to get a country out of poverty, you want to get a society out of poverty, you get people out of poverty. You better educate them. If you yeah, want to put you them you in got- poverty.
0: But you've Don't. got to have somebody to hold the horses, though. You know? Yes, you've got to have somebody who's willing to get their hands dirty and and do the, the menial um, labor jobs, though.
2: Absolutely, you know? and, and and pay them and and respect them accordingly. That's what makes society. You have yeah. to got everything, you know. But if you're uh, not
0: making anything here, you know, you got to depend on another country. I mean, like Trump saved our ass because the Chinese are making their drugs, you know. So, well, well
2: said, a, a, a country without a, um, a base of a, a factory base yeah. uh, without, a, you know, it's fucked. well, it's, it's not going to be competitive and it's certainly not going to provide decent jobs. I and mean, that's what we want. Right. Americans, the American dream isn't to become a billionaire and win the lottery or isn't to become like I'm a YouTube minus. star. It's right. to be, it's to own a house. Yeah. It's to have enough money to own a house and give your chance, your children a better life. And now exact you're dealing life. with children who are like, who are growing up. Uh, these new generation of kids are going to be scared. Like getting germs from like another yeah. kid, they, they're being taught that germ they're drugs. germ factories. Yeah, the fear gear all over the school. So you know, but I, I'm very, I'm I'm very positive about like, I, and I'm I feel like um, I'm not pessimistic. I think Americans will they're gonna want freedom. You know, they're gonna there's a lot of Don Fries out there. They just they just don't oh, get on shit. the internet enough. They oh. just, they just need their own YouTubes. <laughs> they, they need their, they need their own podcasts, and then people people will listen to you.
0: Yeah. I also, uh, my kids didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it is. It, it, it it's going to be an uphill fight, but it's it's one worth taking. Why not? You know, yeah. I think it's I think it's uh it's an interesting time. But as, as there's a Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. We are being cursed right now by very interesting times. But I think it's going to in two years you're going to see a huge shift. In less than two years, and in twenty months, you're going to see the Congress shift back to the Republican Congress, which is going to be good. I mean, I got to tell you what—I guarantee you, Biden wishes that um, the Republicans could control the Senate so he could have some sort of moderation. I don't think he's going to be in there long. No, I don't think. I don't think. You know, this is the only time ever there's been like, you know, you never heard like, um, <laughs> you never heard like it was a Trump-Pence administration or a, you know, yeah. you know, it was a Clinton-Mondale administration. This is the first time you're hearing a you know it's just a biden harris administration right you know cuz i think they're ready to he's going to be
0: they're going to move him out
2: he's not going to be in there very long no they're going i said move 8 him months
1: right yeah do you uh, did you think why would he be taken out i hate to you know, be the be the L- no i just don't right now, i just don't
2: think he's going to be um capable of uh you know i just i just don't think he's 100% there no. i think everybody knows that I'll and see. i and it isn't anything against the guy I mean, I, I think he's been a moderate for most of the time. I'm not a big fan of all his policies, but, like, you know, it's I like, you know, the, the idea that some, somehow foreign policy changes under the Democrats and Republicans is just not, is not factual. It's pretty much, you know, the foreign wars is pretty evenly divided between Republicans and Democrats. Interestingly, under Trump, there was no new wars.
0: Right, right. You know, which is
2: pretty good, I think. Um, he's the only
0: president, yeah.
2: So, you know, but there wasn't an expansion of wars. I mean, unfortunately, he, I don't think he listened to himself. And I don't think he said, he didn't really get, when he had a chance to get the troops out, he really didn't do it. The idea that there's still more to do in Afghanistan 19 years in, seems like pretty, I mean, I don't know, I can't think of like one rational reason to continue to stay there. I'm not a military person, but I, you know, I'll support the military. If they're going to be there, give them everything they need. But let's get them home. I mean, that you know, the, the idea that, that we need to continue that for another 19 years is absolutely insane.
1: Yeah, totally, totally insane. Totally agree
2: with you. About that, Rob. That's cool. So, but, but, so what else are we doing, Don? What do you got coming up? Talk to me. <laughs> When's our next
1: movie? <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm working on a
0: movie right now with you and I. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yes. Well, let's get yeah. another one going. We had a good time on that. Big Stand well, had great time, was right. such a fun little movie that we got. I mean, I like that one because people discover that because it didn't get a, a big release.
0: Yeah, everybody I talked to love it you know yeah, it's, they, they it's, fucking love it they said it's the funniest movie i ever seen you know they always asked they always asked you know how was rob to work with yeah. how was uh, david to work with you
3: know
2: yeah that was david Carradine, his last good movie he made yeah. a couple more after that his <laughs> 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 last good one david Carradine. he was a pleasure you know i mean he said to me uh, cause david Carradine, the great uh, kung fu actor and kill bill and he's done so many movies you know uh death race 2000 and he was just And a ton of stuff. He said to me, you know, Rob, I tried Alcoholics Anonymous. Then I realized something. I go, what's that, David? I like to drink. (laughs) And so I just, you know. A
1: little bit of a conflict there, I would would take. So I
2: I would knew that, like, you know, you want to shoot David before 5 o'clock. Right. Because at 5 o'clock he starts drinking. At twelve he starts drinking. By 5 he really starts drinking. So we got to get his stuff early. So if you know, I knew we were doing a night shoot in, in Chinatown. And I told the crew, I said, um, listen, Mr. Carradine's going to be working tonight, and um, I don't want anyone, no matter what he says, I don't want anyone behind the bar serving him any drinks, no matter what he says. Please, we're going to be shooting until 3 o'clock in the morning, and we got a lot of stuff to do. I leave, and I come back 45 minutes, and Mr. Carradine, David Carradine's behind the bar, a half bottle of vodka in already. That's saying, who else wants this screwdriver? And, and um, so that was a long night. We still wow. got a decent performance out of him, but it was a long night. And well, I think he knew that I was never going to raise, yell at him, or or scold him. I was just happy to be working with him, and you have to work within the parameters of it. He was, you know, different. Like Don would give more, and like I knew he had my back. It was one day I was, I got, I was eating like twelve eggs a day, and you know, trying to bulk <laughs> up and stay in shape and um, one day i just i got food poisoning cuz it was so hot there that the eggs were all bad and i went to the <laughs> hospital and don fry was looking shot. out for me and shot and, and was able to like help direct help all the actors stay in line and get some really good shots and all that stuff we really needed that cuz there was only so much time we were allowed to wow. be in that prison so i was always like don fryzer and everybody's like don well thank god for don mr call <laughs> yeah.
0: you know what's funny is the uh, the extras they were all ex-cons. And yes. And the, the guards, you know, I you walked through the guards to get in there, and they're like, yeah, I had that guy on my block. I had that guy on my <laughs> block. <laughs> they were real,
2: and the guards were guards. Yeah, they were and real. And, like, it was really interesting, because I said, okay, we want to do this scene uh, where, we, you know, with the guards start shooting. And, uh, and he said, so what the prisoners are like, you know, the guy's... Former prisoners, former cons. They <laughs> go, what do you want us to do? And I said, well, just do whatever comes natural. So he started shooting. Everybody hit the deck, and then it wasn't funny at all. Yeah. So you got to keep running. They said, well, you wouldn't keep running. you get fucking shot. And so I said, well, can you do it? And so they, and they started running, and it was funnier. Yep. But, like, it was interesting how, you know, it's like.
0: It's the yeah, But yeah. let
2: me tell you, when, when we went, and everybody went to lunch, it was really interesting. And Don will tell you this. He confirmed this. Like when the prisoners were sitting down, they wouldn't sit with the guards, even though the guards who were actors. Yeah. The prisoners sat with the prisoners. And the guards (laughs) sat with the guards. It was like it was even there was tense. Even the people just pretending to be prisoners didn't want to sit with the guards. It's it's funny how just the uniform brings in that kind of tension.
0: Segregation. It was horrible.
2: But we had a good time and it was some good laughs and uh, it was nuts. It was was
0: fun though. That was the funnest movie you said I've ever been on. Oh, thank you, man. It was you. I mean, because you controlled everybody, you know, because you had everybody laughing. If if things would get tense, like you said, he'd start telling jokes and everything and everybody would start laughing and be. We had a good time. There's
2: some some great guys on that one and uh, a few of them passed away now, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, Scott Wilson's gone, and yeah. and the fighter, uh, Chico. 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 Gonzalez. Chico. Is
0: um, it Chico? Uh, yeah, you know, Chico.
2: uh Come on. Now. What's it? Chico? Not Morales, no. He had that great fight where he got knocked down. <sighs> yeah. Like, uh, knocked down two times or three times in a fight, got up and then knocked the other guy out for to win the championship. Yeah, it was one of I the greatest fights. Name. The fight wow. of the year. Chico um, Morales or Chico... Um, we gotta look that up. You guys get on that, will you? Yeah. He was fighting Jose. I mean, boy, um, <laughs> well, we're no, all Chico. What? No, no, Chico. No. Uh, Corrales. Light heavyweight, Chico Corrales.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Chico Corrales,
2: and it was Corrales, and it was one of the greatest fights I'd ever seen. Was uh, he got knocked down viciously twice, and that's what happens. Sometimes you get yeah. knocked down once, you get knocked down second time, you wake up, yeah. and. um
0: well, it was like, yeah, you know, funny that that first UFC fight I had, you know, against a big four hundred and ten pounder. You know, I go lumbering out there, and boom, he hit me with the jab and cracked my nose. I go, "Wake up, Fry! You're in a fight." When you said he hit me, woke me up. Is that's the truth? Yeah, wake up, Fry! You're in a fight.
1: Not quite. Everyone wakes up their dad. <laughs> you're one of those exceptions to the rule. Some people tend to go. Nighty night, you know. Well, I'm just lumbering street. out
0: there, you know. <laughs> I mean, like when shit, we fought Abbott, you know. Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! Right. whatever you do, don't go toe to toe.
4: We were in the back. <laughs> yeah. We were in the back, and he had just yeah. fought two fights, and he was pretty, pretty wasted, you know, just yeah. trying to recover. So You're I said, set, set that stage because how long between this, fights? You
1: look at this is the eight man tournament, the, the same two hour yeah. pay per view that plays today. Back then. Yeah. Or you fight three fights, not just one. They're supposed three to be the, and, the and how winners. long of a time period? Oh, yes. uh, right. whenever they, they call you out <laughs> Whenever the An fight's hour over. The the fight
0: went. Yeah, the next fight went, you know. Uh, That's you unbelievable. Can, yeah.
1: They did not have, like, the filler material that they have today. Like, back yeah. then, they could go back and say, well, here's some clips of Don Fry, you know, sparring a little bit right. earlier in, yeah. in, you know, in in his yeah. career and stuff like that. They didn't have all that kind of filler. So yeah. it was really poor in the beginning uh, how they ran because all of a sudden they're like looking at the, the, the announcers mm-hmm. like going, um, well, go to our website. Uh, well, here's, here's our t-shirts or our hats. Uh, anybody find that tooth that flew out? Run, of run that clip of Vanilla be, it, Ice. It, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Jim, get Jim Brown getting drunk. Wow. The whole industry has, uh, you know, really has changed a great deal toward now they have all kinds of footage. Because oh, yeah, yeah. If you walk out into the main event, it's scheduled for five rounds. Yeah. Five minutes a round, and all of a sudden, boom! It's done in seventeen seconds. Yeah, it could be yeah. boom.
4: You and, 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 Nowadays, and, and, there's and an itinerary that's right to the, now, the second. Uh, right?
0: Did
2: you end that guy's career, the, the Japanese guy? What's his name? Um, oh, Yam. Yeah, Takeyama. Now that was a that that fight had to be your most famous fight of all time.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah.
2: Then, now that that was to me one of the most. Um, I mean, if you look at any fight, any time of two men against men at that time, there was there was a round in there. That's got to be one of the most famous rounds in, in all of competitive fighting. I, that yeah, that was like remarkable, and like I, I really felt like when you were just you know just they hit and you're lowering your hand a little bit, lowering your head so like um, to, to to receive the less damage. But it yeah. was still like it was toe to toe to toe. I mean, and the audience was just losing their minds, yeah, yeah. and it was just like you show that to people, and you, you couldn't write something like that. You know, if you wrote that in a script in Rocky. Rocky 12 that, yeah. He's going, No, <laughs> that one you don't believe and you see it. And it's still just as remarkable at, at that, at the end of that fight. I mean, I really don't think that there's certain fights that end careers. That must've like, I know he fought after that.
4: Yeah. You but know, if, Rob, I'm not here to kiss his ass, but anyone that's been hit by this man would definitely respect Takayama for the amount of punishment oh, yeah. that guy had took. Yeah. I, was I think incredible.
2: I, it reminded me of, like, that Roberto Duran was fighting that handsome guy back in his said, and the, the fighter said at the end, not handsome anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, there was just a, a level of, like, uh, a brutality that was that, that happened. It was unleashed. That was, um, by the end of that fight, I mean, I feel like, I, I don't think he could fight after that.
0: No, if it, you, you want to watch something really strange, watch, watch the audience, you know? Ignore the two fighters and watch the audience. And some of them, it's just like, wow,
2: you know, the way they react. Yeah. Know? Well, they were stunned by it. It was one thing between a good fight and also like a <laughs> a. It was it was like an, an, the intensity and the barrage and the number of punches and the number of just toe to toe punches. It's just like uh, you know, it was a guy. In, in box, just, it's just the guys who are lined up against each other just right. wailing on each other. But i would never seen – and, and I've seen the guys in the clinch who would come up and give a punch, and then the other guy would come up and give a punch. But it was hit, 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 and it was just a, –
4: a, That wasn't a dramatization. No, it was like – it was
2: absolutely <laughs> gripping at, at, a, at two really good athletes – yeah, yeah. At the prime of, the, I mean, the prime of life, and that was like you weren't going to have that kind of intensity. and It was like, who is going to fall down first? And yeah. you, just, you, I just knew it wasn't going to be you. But at the same time, <laughs> it was like, a, it, it was this, you know, coming in with those American flag tidy whities of yours, you know, <laughs> uh, and the briefs, and then um, going up against this Japanese superhero. Yeah. It just like this, the Japanese uh, King Kong was was just one of those things. That, again. It just it doesn't happen. It's like one of those things. It's like that Roberto Duran first five Sugar Ray Leonard when they were going toe to toe and like, okay, this is what we paid for.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, hell, he stepped over the top rope, you know, to get into the, the the ring. Yeah. You know, get in the ring. He just stepped over the top rope.
1: <laughs> okay, Dad, but why did you wear like those those types of speedo type of uh? uh Great wear? choice, by the way. <laughs> well, American flag. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. But there's you could grab clothing. Back during that time era, you could grab clothing. Whether whether you wore ghee, things that that you could actually grab clothing. And so, I mean, I actually wore I, I wore like professional wrestling trunks, right. only because they were so tight and snug to the body that you gave them no handles to hold on to. Right. So, so if you had looser garments, it's easy to grab shirts, gi, things of that nature. But uh, to know that something is on you, first off, you, you're not wearing as much fabric. If now, waist, now tight
2: what do you think his plan was in that fight I mean he didn't clearly wasn't want to go toe to toe fighting with you was he hoping to get you grapple you on the ground
0: you know I don't know I, I think um, he was more of a puncher you know because the fights I've seen I never saw him on the ground doing yeah. that work you know um, so he was a slugger. Yeah, and, and a big dude. He was a big dude. Where did he it
2: come was, in at? Because I'm thinking that that guy must have... 300 pounds. Good Lord. I was thinking he must have been at least 250.
0: Oh, fuck. He did that when he was 12.
2: Well, <laughs> I, I mean, how tall was he? He was like 6'6"? Six, 6',
1: six? Six, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, yeah, case, he, for Japanese, I be very, very, really big. He was yeah, big
2: dude and, and 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 looked like he and could do some damage. But like he had some vulnerabilities to him. He didn't have much of a defense, I'll say that. Neither <laughs> one of us did, no. It yeah, wasn't, you guys weren't covering head movement there. You, you weren't covering up. No. <laughs> when, you, when you got in that clinch, though, what was your head thinking like literally like I'm gonna knock this guy out, he's not gonna get me. I think that also had to psych him up because he was hitting you with everything he had, and he was he was slowly kind of going, yeah. and you weren't. But there was a moment where you were both hitting. Hit, 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 hit at the same time. Yeah. And it was just like, um, I mean, did you remember that specific moment?
0: No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, man. (laughs) Again, Rob, I'll go back to. Not as well
1: as you do. When I finally saw that footage, and it wasn't until quite a bit after the match had taken place, I'm like going, you know, what was going through your mind? Other than Takiyama's fist, okay? Oh, yeah, they, yeah. Were just, they were just simply just obliterating each other. Just like you said, you, you couldn't, you, it's like machine gun fire throwing punch after punch. Yeah. And for such a long duration of time.
2: It was incredible. It was almost like if in a normal fight, in a regular boxing fight, the referee would have said, okay. No. We got to stop this. <laughs> There's just too much punishment going on here you know so it it was one of those but the one of the most dramatic fights in in, in any type of not just mixed martial arts not just prime not just ufc but in any uh, mano mano fight it was a um, you know one for one for all all-timers and anytime i go don fry and I go who's that oh, well you'll know let me just show you this I go oh yeah i've seen that it's a it's and, and, and
1: that would that clip would be ageless. Sippy, oh yeah, you could sit, show that at any point in time. Is that going Oh, I body. hope you get I a piece of that.
0: I don't. <laughs> I don't get anything from that partner except headaches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. And God bless Takayama. He passed
4: um, away last year.
0: No, he he's a, year? no, he's alive. What happened? Twenty seventeen. He was doing a pro wrestling match. Oh and, yeah, I remember um, you told me severed a spinal cord. Yeah, he, yeah. He did a sunset flip, and the guy was too short. And he end up hitting his head hey. and snapping it back. Know, so,
2: the idea that, that uh, you know, wrestlers and, like, stuntmen know how to fall exactly right and figure it out is not based no, in fact.
0: No. Yeah. There's always, you know,
3: the,
1: that mistake. Yeah.
2: There's always that mistake, yeah.
1: yeah I, I always tell, tell people that I've been hurt far worse than my professional wrestling career uh, and anything else I've ever done to me I've, uh, that's, that's, that's a truthful fact and uh,
2: I tore my rotator cuff on big stand the very last day but I, I said we gotta keep going so that's when I really tore it and I tore both because you know you, get, you hit a stunt guy and like he's if he doesn't want to fly he doesn't fly you know so you gotta like if he goes the other way or doesn't move you're taking the hit on your rotator cuff. And so I said, well, I got to commit to this and I'm spinning this stuff. And like, I'm 42 years old, gone you know, too fucking old for this, but, um, you just keep doing it. And <laughs> it was, it was worth it. But I remember like, I went to see Dr. Nick of the, uh, of the Clippers. And, um, he looked at me and said, how old are you? I go, I'm, uh, 42. You really need your shoulders that badly? You're going to, you really need, because I, I'm not going to guarantee it's going to be better. It's going to be really tough to re, uh, you know, all the, um, rehabbing." Can you live with the pain? i would like, uh, I guess,
1: get out of here then. <laughs>
2: and he didn't operate on me.
1: Do you ever? Uh, I mean, you ever think about stem cell shots or anything like that? Of,
2: no, uh, I haven't. But I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to get back in shape now, and I do have limited movement, like in my shoulders. But um, S-
1: still, a lot a lot of pain though.
2: Not as much pain, but you know, when you when you're picking up your kid this way, yeah, I get like a, this way especially, just because the rotator cuffs are kind of shot.
0: And Dan's doing stem cells
1: stuff yeah, there. No, How's it, it going was, for I, you? I asked what that is because I, I did do a couple of different shots. And you felt and it helped? Cell, no, fantastic. It oh, helped good. me a great deal. Just so. for pain
2: or for also for well, mobility? i would just
1: say no, just for the overall ability. I had uh, some, a couple of shots in, in knees, and, that, and it literally gave me back uh, oh, ability that I, I actually thought – this is the downward spiral. Finally, right. starting to hit that. Big My dick, it would
2: work as well. You think the stem cell? Well,
1: I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't. Know. <laughs> it depends. i will take one of those. Uh,
0: if There's saw... only so much they can do. Yeah. <laughs> if he saw the guy I saw, they take your own blood. Oh it's, yeah, it's not baby embryos. You know. Yeah. And yeah. They, they take forget your it. They own... yeah. forget it. I don't yeah. want that. Yeah, What's take... the fun in that? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted a horse embryo. Yeah. <laughs> they take your own blood and spin yeah. it, yeah. separating it and then, um, you know, cook it, and then they put it back into you. Well, that's a good
2: idea. I'll do that. Why the fuck not? I'm in. Sounds Let's like go. a good time. We got that done here? Well, this has been amazing. Well, I will say, like, um, you know, there's a lot of the people I've worked with over my lifetime is the very few people that, that like, left, a, like, a lasting mark where I go, like, you know, when you meet somebody, go, that's a friend for life, and that's Don Fry to me. Like, whatever this guy, like, anytime, like, whatever I can do for him. Anytime, and it just um, you know the the spirit of a guy who just puts everything on the oh, line. My toilets clogged. Up. <laughs> I'm in, baby. Yeah, no, but the the level of commitment that he puts into the fights, and he puts in you know, and that level of heart and the commitment that he puts into it was acting. This is great. This is no, you know, you got a guy who's got your back, and that's what you want, you know.
1: Yeah, Rob, Rob I'll just say it's been a real pleasure. My, my first chance to get a chance to meet you today, but then having on you here and and chatting for. Uh, th- this time frame, I mean, this has been fantastic. We've all had a chance to learn a little bit more about you in, in, in a lot of different ways. So from we can cut
2: this down to 15 minutes, can't we, guys? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we can.
1: But you know, just from the bottom of my heart, just want to let you know that from uh, the Toxic Masculinity. Uh, That's I a guess, great title. And, uh, I like it. Yeah,
3: yeah, see there.
0: Yeah. yeah. I had to convince, you know, a little bit convincing to do, but I thought, you know. I like does Toxic What does that make you think
4: of?
2: It makes you think of like. Uh, mm-hmm of guys who are, like, uh, not embarrassed to admit who they are. Yeah. It's like it is. And, and, like, the idea, like, is, is masculinity isn't, isn't something to diminish. It's something to, to bring out. Right. And, and um, it doesn't mean you're a bad guy if, you're, if you have a lot of uh, masculinity. There's men and then there's women. The idea that we have to – I just saw some footage of – and this is going to get me in trouble more than anything we've talked about. I just saw some footage of, uh, of uh, people who were allowed to compete – in women's high school sports, right. yeah, and it just isn't fair. I saw this guy just winning by like yeah. by 15 yards, <laughs> and um, you know, he's allowed in his new administration to he compete.
0: Felt, he felt like a girl that day, yes. So, um,
2: it just isn't fair. I mean, no, I mean I, you want equality, you, I mean, you, women you're, you're, have been fighting for equality all these years, and now they're losing it yeah, again, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, you're not. You're going to hear any of us argue that point with you whatsoever. No, yeah, it's, so, uh, to me, it's like if you want to have a different type of uh, world championship game or something like this, be our, be our guest. That's uh, the yeah. land of opportunity right now. But if you're uh, a male, you should be competing in male sports. If you're female, you should be competing in female at, sports. at the
2: same time. Like if, I'll respect what you want to do as a human being, whatever that is, yeah, and I'm I, all for it. However, I think that to compete and that is, is that's not fair. And and look. I'm all for if you want to have like I was one of the few people saying, "Hey, drug Olympics, let's go! Everybody, whatever drugs you want, let's see what happens. <laughs> whatever, you know." And then, then you'll see what happens. It's like those East German weightlifters, all of a sudden, yeah. you know, the, the shoulder breaks out of the arm, but <laughs> the bone's coming through. It's like you know, there's only so much the bone's willing to well, take. Well,
1: because they were lifting like ten tons at that time, right? And that's <laughs> so still I mean, not a
4: deal breaker. They're going to keep going. I just remember, <laughs>
1: and we're talking about just the women, right? We're not even talking <laughs> about the men <mid-yard. laughs> I know.
2: I just remember those East German swimmers; those girls just, just oh. like. And like, boy, oh, I do
3: too.
2: <laughs> I remember thinking, like, that—that's amazing. I mean, I—I I, I don't know what they're doing, but like, wow. Yeah. I was impressed with that, and it, you know, look, there's an athlete is always going to look for any advantage he can get. Sure. Yeah. You know, and then the well, you know, of course. But I think there's some it's
0: like comedian who steals jokes, you know.
2: Yeah. Any advantage he <laughs> can get. Yeah. But they can get caught doing that shit yeah, too, exactly, you know. Exactly. Yeah. They can get an eye poked out in a different way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You find, well, find the old um, shit. It was a guy he'd never get. Rodney Dangerfield, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rod- respect. Rodney, oh, Rodney, Rodney was great. Oh, yeah. Find his old tapes and, you know, add him <laughs> to your repertoire. Yeah, hey,
2: He was great. I remember um, he came up to Adam Sandler. Hey, that's a really funny joke about you and your old girlfriend. I Hey, uh, uh, let me buy that off you. And, and Adam was like, hey, uh, you know, Rodney, I only got like about eight minutes of jokes. I need to keep them on. Hey, I'm going to take it from you. At least let me give you some money for it anyway. <laughs> He was just joking, but I, I reminded him of that years later because I remember it was a funny exchange, and Adam was really proud of that because he was our hero, Rodney. You know, and Rodney said, "I never stole a joke in my life." Let me tell you, that kid, that's not true. And I said, "You were joking, Rodney." Like, "I never stole a joke in my life." You know, see, that's like a thing. It's a big thing. Hey, Rodney was was a great guy. Rodney was. Uh, I never saw Rodney when he one time during the day or night. You didn't see his his junk. He would have. He after the show, he'd be in the backstage, put on a robe, and then. You know, his 80-year-old balls and junk is hanging out at some point. Rodney, you got to put some underwear. What are you talking about, man? Why are you looking down there then?
1: The <laughs> no, man that gets no respect. Man. No, no, no
2: respect, respect at all. Well, him, <laughs> <he> said, <laughs>
0: him and Don Rickles. Were oh, yeah. <laughs> man.
2: they were man. Yeah, Till the end. Uh, I remember he said, come on, hey you. Let's go gamble. We're in Vegas. I said, I'm going to lose. I said, how do you know? He said, look at me. Do I look like a guy who's going to win? <laughs> I'm going to lose 500 bucks, then I'm going to go to bed. So we went downstairs. It was with Adam Sandler, Judd Apatow, and... Um, Quentin Tarantino and Chris Rock, I think, was there, and so we were um, gambling. And I swear to God, the dice didn't even make it all the way to the end. The dice just hated him. He just he could, the guy had no luck. He like, after he, he lost five hundred dollars so quick, and he listened. What I tell you, I'm up five hundred bucks down. I'm going to bed. And That'll be it. And he go to bed. But he, he smoked pot. He smoked pot, you know. And uh, he said, "I said, you smoke, Rodney?" He said, "Of course I smoke. It's the only reason I'm still alive." <laughs> Yeah. So, but he was a, he was a great guy, and was very proud to be a pallbearer at his uh, funeral.
4: Was he? Was he always in character, or was that? He him? was Rodney.
2: Was Rodney? You know, he, you know, he was. That was him. I mean, that was a. He was a guy when he was a younger comedian. He didn't make it when he was younger because he didn't have that look yet. You know, he, he looked like a longshoreman who'd break your legs when okay. he was in his 40s with those dark circles and a little bit of gray and yeah. mostly black hair. But when he got 50, like, he kind of softened a little bit. So, her, you, know, you know, the kind of stiff way of walking around, so her, you know. And uh, he, he, that kind of fatherly thing that everybody rooted for and loved, you know. And uh, that's when he hit it big. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing.
1: This is some classic movies, too, all, all just great comedy.
2: I mean, maybe the greatest yeah. ever. I mean, Caddyshack, it was, you know, there's nothing greater than that. No. We're all trying to make a movie like Caddyshack yeah. after all these years.
0: It was phenomenal. It was, you know, they got ripped apart you know, when it first came out. Sure. And, and one of the guys committed suicide because of it. Oh,
2: Doug, Doug Kenny jumped off a yeah, yeah ju- a cliff. In jumped off a cliff, yeah. Yeah,
0: and, then, and he was
2: one of the great great comedy writers. Yeah. I think he did Animal House, too. Maybe yeah. one of the greatest jokes ever in the American lexicon of um, comedy was in Animal House. Where he the guy shows up and um, to pick go on a date. Mind if we dance with Joel dates? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just before that was when he goes to the sorority and asks to go out with the girl. Yeah. And then she was killed in a blown up in a kiln accident. You know. Yeah. Spinning pots and she died and and he said, "Well, you know, I'm feeling so terrible right now. Can we? Well, can you get some girls to go out with us?" And the next thing it was like that's the greatest joke ever. <laughs> that's such a great joke. You know, Tim Matheson was amazing in that. But anyway, <laughs> those are the times,
0: baby. So I've enjoyed this, but I,
2: I think I gotta head home because yeah. my wife's gonna kill me. All
1: right, I well, got two young kids. I think we burnt out the batteries, they said. Okay, hey, burn, we're done. Thanks again to Rob Snyder. That's uh out here from uh
0: Toxic there you, go. <laughs> there you go. You guys show me that sign there, You to guys the are gonna
2: get rich off those t shirts. <laughs> you guys got t shirts yet? Not yet shit you better you better trademark dad yeah toxicmasculinity.com so. yeah fuck i want a piece of that okay <laughs> brother i've enjoyed this i love
0: you pal i wish okay. you all the thank best thank you sir thank, thank you, you thank you for watching another episode of dan and don's toxic masculinity you better like subscribe and share or i'm gonna come to your house